Democracy can be difficult, cumbersome, even boring. Laws can take ages to get passed, if they get passed at all. But sometimes there's a shift that gets everyone to sit up and take notice. We have huge breaking news tonight, and I can't even believe I'm going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. Well, that happened last week in the United States. My initial reaction is that it's stunning on so many levels. The world got a glimpse of what is likely the end of Roe v. Wade. This draft opinion came down a rare leak from inside the Supreme Court. And today the Supreme Court decision that's protected women's rights to an abortion across the United States for almost half a century. This is authentic and true. There are the votes as of February to overturn Roe v. Wade. What does that mean for women? And what does that mean for democracy in the United States? I'm Hala Mahiedin in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Hi, Amanda. Journalist Amanda Becker has been reporting on a draft leaked by the Supreme Court. Could you introduce yourself to us? I know that you write about political issues facing women. Yes, I am the Washington correspondent for the 19th. We are a nonprofit newsroom. The reason we are called the 19th is because it's named for the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which guaranteed women the right to vote. Well, given that, last week must have been an interesting one for you. On Monday night, May 2nd, the news site Political came out with a big leak. This was the draft decision written by a member of the United States Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Can you remember what you were doing when the story came out? I was actually in Florida with my family. We have an annual beach trip and I was also going to cover some Senate race stuff down there. I was already in bed for the night, actually. You get tired early at the beach and I was just scrolling through my phone, as we all do, and I saw the news drop. Just breaking in the last few minutes is this. The United States Supreme Court has voted to overturn abortion rights. Draft opinion shows. Life, 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 life. The right of a woman to choose an abortion will be curtailed, if not outlawed. And I just thought, oh my God, and immediately signed into our work Slack to see what was happening and how I could help. So what was going through your head? You know, I think the initial words that came into my head are probably not appropriate for a podcast. Um, and honestly, I mean, we've been expecting this decision that would either severely curtail or end abortion access on a national level for some time. So actually, the content of the draft decision was not a surprise to me. That it was leaked in this way and came out in this way was very surprising and caught myself and I'm sure many other people and many other reporters who were waiting for it off guard. Also, just the text, the emails started rolling in from people I have known throughout my life. When you're a reporter and there's big political news, people kind of look to you as their go-to source for one-on-one -on -one information as well. So I was answering a lot of questions. We should keep in mind that this is a draft. Is there a possibility that it could change? Is this likely? I don't see it being likely that the content of the decision will change or that the vote will change. I do think that we might see different legal reasonings. You know, paragraphs could be changed. They go back and forth between the justices signing it for some time before it comes out. That's why the process takes so long. So I would expect to see some serious revisions 
although I would be surprised if we get a different outcome. Now, you mentioned it's unusual for something like this to be leaked. Do you have any idea why it would be leaked? You know, it's all conjecture at this point. If you hear anyone else talking about how they know why it was leaked, don't believe them because nobody does at this point unless they have information about the leaker that the rest of us do not. From a strategy standpoint, you could see it being either a clerk or someone in the office of a liberal or a conservative justice. For example, we have two recently confirmed justices during the Trump administration who said that they thought Roe was settled law and then went ahead and seemingly signed this decision. So maybe from a liberal standpoint, if you're working for the court and you leak this, you put pressure on one of them to change their mind. From a conservative side, maybe you're ecstatic that you finally got this ruling that they've been waiting for for many, many years, and you want to lock people in as being on the record for voting for it before it comes out, just in case any of them are waffling. So it really could be anyone who leaked this, and maybe we'll find out at some point, but we don't know right now. There are all kinds of messages going out on social media about what this decision means. Some people are writing that the US has banned abortion. That's not true. But maybe you can help explain what it does mean? What is Roe v. Wade? What did Roe v. Wade protect? And what will happen now when it comes to abortion and when it comes to the rights of women in the United States? So Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. And what it did was say that abortion was legal up to the point of viability, which is anywhere between like 23 and 25, 26 weeks of pregnancy. Now, that decision has been curtailed a bit over the years. One was in a, a case called Casey, if you see that referenced. States have allowed, been allowed to put some restrictions on abortion, pre-viability. So, for example, age that you're able to obtain an abortion without your parents' consent, that sort of thing. Religious exemptions, so say a Catholic hospital doesn't have to perform abortions. If Roe falls... Abortion in the United States doesn't immediately become illegal. It gets kicked to the states and the states can decide. Along with the news stories about Roe v. Wade, all these maps keep popping up on news websites. They paint a picture of a divided nation with the states planning to restrict abortion largely in the centre and often coloured red. Around the edges are the states that will continue to allow abortion. They're usually blue. Florida falls into the first category, as does North Carolina. They'll be restricting abortion. So we reached out to an abortion provider who works in both states to find out what's happening on the ground there. My name is Amber Gavin. I am the Vice President of Advocacy and Operations at A Woman's Choice, a woman-owned and operated independent abortion provider. Like Amanda, she was not surprised by the content of the draft leaked by the Supreme Court. I think a lot of us anticipated that Roe was going to be decimated. But a lot of their patients did not. They were caught off guard, she says. We've had patients calling in thinking that the draft was already the law and were really concerned about whether or not they could keep their appointments. Patients are scared and our hotline has been really helpful in reassuring our patients, letting them know that abortion is still legal and available. Our clinics were obviously still open and able to see patients. We dialed up a few other clinics and heard similar messages. One in South Dakota. No matter what you're hearing, abortion is still legal in our region. And one in Texas. 
Whole Woman's Health Clinics are open and abortion is still legal in Texas and will continue to push back against the harmful laws being passed in the state of Texas. But once this draft opinion becomes an official opinion and Roe is overturned, those voice messages may need to change. Florida just passed a new law further restricting abortion, which comes into effect July 1st. It was this legislature session that we saw the 15-week abortion ban that was introduced by Republicans and then pushed through and then signed into law just last month. And Amber is very worried. This disproportionately affects folks of color, low-income folks, and fetal anomalies. So it's going to directly affect those folks who deeply wanted a pregnancy and aren't able to carry it to term, or now they're going to be forced to carry it to term, which I think is just really cruel. So we asked her what women in Florida will do to get an abortion if they feel it's something they need. It is possible that a lot of our patients in Florida will have to travel to access their care. For people in South Florida, the next state is at least a five-hour drive away, and there's no assurance that those states will be guaranteeing abortion rights either. We're talking about an incredible amount of time in the car, expensive flight. I mean, already it's it, it, that makes it hard just for folks at the bottom. Amber says she's working on a strategy with other like-minded women. She knows it won't be easy, But she says this is an issue that affects every American. One in four women will have an abortion during their lifetime. You know and love someone who's had an abortion. And this is about being able to live the lives that we want. And it's clear that politicians, especially Republicans, and now the Supreme Court have a complete disregard for women and pregnant people. And so we have to take matters into our own hands and make sure that we're getting the care that we need. As a journalist, Amanda Becker's also been reporting on other states with even stricter laws. What we call in the United States heartbeat laws that stop abortion very early in pregnancy at six weeks, at eight weeks, often before someone knows they are pregnant. The so-called fetal heartbeat bill of Texas became law, making it one of the strictest abortion measures in the U.S. Those have been blocked previously because they didn't adhere to the Roe and Casey standards. So you're looking at a patchwork. You're in California. You're going to be okay. Gavin Newsom says California will be a sanctuary state for women seeking abortions from around the country. If you're living in the U.S. South, you might have to go four or five states over to find a state that hasn't restricted in some way the right to get an abortion. And of course, there will be a greater burden on people without the financial means to travel to other states to receive that care. But Amanda, there were many who say the initial opinion was inherently flawed. Even the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a liberal hero, even she had issues with Roe v. Wade, though she did support a a woman's right to choose. Can you just explain to us what, what were the weaknesses in the initial decision? You're correct. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, was very skeptical of the strength of this decision and its kind of durability, even though she did support the right to have an abortion. Roe, theoretically, could have been decided on a couple different grounds. It was decided on the right to privacy. The ruling affirmed a woman's constitutional right to privacy, including the ability to make medical decisions without government interference. The right to privacy is not explicitly spelled out in the U.S. Constitution, but it has been interpreted as being there as a way to protect various rights. 
Of course, now in our Constitution, women aren't mentioned either. So there's a lot that's left out of our Constitution. That's why we have a Supreme Court to decide these issues. But she thought it would have been a stronger decision based on gender equality grounds. It's come out that Justice Samuel Alito drafted this opinion. What does it say? In this draft, Justice Alita wrote that Roe was a, quote, egregiously decided precedent. Very strong words. He also said things like, quote, a right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history, and that Roe was remarkably loose in its treatment of the constitutional text. Alito was not mincing words about what he thought about Roe in this draft opinion. Just explain to us more about that, that these things missing from the Constitution. Women aren't mentioned in the Constitution. Certainly abortion isn't mentioned in the Constitution. And liberty that is often spoken of, it doesn't cover abortion. It's not guaranteed. Is that what's creating some of the the ability to take down this uh, this judgment? Yeah, like I was explaining about the name of the news organization where I work, women weren't mentioned in the Constitution. We certainly weren't given the right to vote in the Constitution. We had to pass an amendment many years later. Usually, uh, the Supreme Court has interpreted things to expand rights for people, but this is one of the first major cases where we could see them read these clauses and what is not in them to take away rights that we've had here in the United States for 50 years. Now, it sounds like some of the abortion rights in the US were being eroded before this leaked judgment. Yes, the case before the court is out of Mississippi. It's about a 15-week abortion ban. It's a good 10-ish weeks before the viability threshold set by Roe. So that is the reason this issue is before the court. There's a case out of Texas that people may have heard of, particularly because it has a provision that's called by abortion rights groups as the vigilante provision, where you can report people who help people get abortions or who receive abortions. Just this week, a House committee in the state of Louisiana passed a bill out of committee that would criminalize abortion. It would allow prosecutors to charge abortion providers, so doctors or people who receive abortions, with murder. Uh, So these rights have been um, being eroded and have been under attack by anti-abortion groups for decades since uh, shortly after Roe was decided. And I would expect that to really tick up as kind of this movement gains strength waiting for this decision to come down. Now, this was a surprise, but it also wasn't a surprise. When the court chose to take on this Mississippi law last spring, this decision was somewhat expected by this court in particular. Can you just explain why and how this came about? So former President Donald Trump was able to install three of nine sitting Supreme Court justices during his presidency, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. That is huge. That has been the end game of the religious right and the anti-abortion movement for many, many, many years. And this was a massive, massive victory for them. There are questions being raised now in the United States about how much power the Supreme Court should have in a democracy. 
Can you tell us about that conversation? Part of the larger picture of what's happening in the United States is an erosion of trust in democratic institutions. I mean, we had an attack on the U.S. Capitol last year. So the Supreme Court justices, though, and Justice Breyer have kind of been on this PR tour over the past couple of years trying to make the case that the court is not political. It does interpret the law and they don't create it. Uh, I think that this leak is only going to reinforce the perception the court is a political institution. And we're going to see a lot more talk from the abortion rights movement and from the left and from the Democratic Party about what to do about it, because they've been outmaneuvered at every turn when it comes to the Supreme Court up until now. You're seeing a lot of discussions on the left of what's called by the right is court packing, adding seats to the court to change the political makeup, setting tenure restrictions, like after a certain number of years, you have to retire from the court. I would expect those conversations to continue because if they are willing to overturn a 50-year precedent that they told senators was set a law, I'm not sure what they wouldn't overturn. Now, U.S. President Joe Biden has called for Americans to protect abortion rights by supporting candidates who support them in the upcoming midterm elections this November. There are lawmakers trying to pass legislation to legalise abortion. Could it work? Is there much that the people of the United States can do at this point? There is a bill in Congress called the Women's Health Protection Act. The House, which is controlled by Democrats, easily passed that. It didn't get through the Senate in February, however. The Senate is 100 seats. It is split 50-50 between the parties, and most legislation needs 60 votes to move forward. It's expected to fail again. In the White House, Joe Biden, as a Catholic American and somebody who um, is very open about his Catholic faith, abortion is a really complicated issue for him. And so he says he's going to protect access. And so the way he likes to talk about abortion is, I support Roe, I support reproductive health access. The problem with that is that's not very clear messaging. If you look at polling, the younger people are in this country, they don't necessarily know what Roe means. So if you say, do you support Roe? They say, I don't know. If you explain to them what Roe is, 58% say, oh yeah, 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 I support that. So when you have a president who's the leader of a party, but they're unable to use the word abortion without discomfort, that kind of turns into a messaging problem for them on the campaign trail. As one woman told me, um, the only thing we can do is try to elect more Democrats. And that really is the only thing that uh, the American people could do to ensure abortion access if Roe is overturned. This big win for conservatives is hitting abortion supporters hard, Amanda says. Right after the leak, she was at a campaign rally for Val Demings, a Democrat who's running for Senate in Florida. And actually the woman I met at the rally, she told me she'd had one of the worst days of her life on Tuesday. And that when she got to that rally, because Florida's kind of ground zero for the culture wars right now in the United States, it felt like the first time she could breathe because she felt like she was on the verge of a panic attack all day. That is how a lot of women are feeling in the United States right now. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Nagin Oliai, Ney Alvarez, Ruby Zaman, Alexandra Locke and me, Hala Mahiadeen, in for Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. This episode was mixed by Ben Soir. Aya Elmaleik and Adam Abogad are our engagement producers. 
and we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>